0: Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Kerriger. Great to be back with you folks on this 145th podcast. And Zophar reproves Job is what we're going to call this. Zophar shows up on the scene so... His friends, his friends are all over the place here. And uh, good morning to you, Stephanie. How are you this morning? Doing great, Doug.
1: It's good to
0: be with you. Well, it's good to be on the podcast. And these podcasts have not come without trials themselves. <laughs> and uh, we've been fighting telephone lines. And so we've <laughs> so we moved back. So this may sound a little better to you, I hope. Uh, it, it may not, but we've moved back to the Zoom type of thing. Stephanie's phone has a, was hit or miss today. Uh, maybe it's the weather, uh, but we've come up with this concept that we believe that her phone company will help her set up her computer so she'll call off her computer from her phone uh, when, she's, uh, when she's in places where she needs to make phone calls. So that's what we're trying to do. We're working on it, and we're sorry about any gibberish that came out yesterday. And, uh, but anyway, here we are. We're cruising along. We're in Chapter 11, and it says, That answered Zophar the Nehamathite, and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make it thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thy eyes. But oh, that God would speak, and open his lips against thee. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, and that thou art doubled to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of of thee less than thine inequity deserveth. Canest thou by search and find out God? Canest thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven what canst thou do, deeper than hell, and canst thou know. The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And if he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? And there's a lot going on. Zophar shows up and Zophar's a know-it-all. And we all got what we call know-it-alls in our life. And we all got people who want to give you exactly what's going on with you. I, I know people who play God. They play God on Facebook, they play God at church, they, they play God in families, but there's only one God. So Zophar shows up, Stephanie, and he, he turns out that he's accusing Job of babbling on, he's accusing Job of, uh, uh, of re- ridiculing others, of being worthless, of being stupid, and that's just the first 10, 11 verses. And uh, uh, so Zophar is just, he's, he's making all these accusations uh, about Job and about Job's plight. Now, what kind of friend is Zophar?
1: He's a narcissistic knucklehead.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think that's a pretty good term. Uh, old Zophar is a knucklehead. And, and uh, that term gets used freely around here. That's, there's no extra charge for that here on our podcast, Helpful Wounded Spirits. A uh, knucklehead can add to your vocabulary as well. Uh, but okay, so we got this narcissistic knucklehead who thinks the world revolves around him. And and what do you think he's trying to do? What do you think these words are? What? Do you, why do you think he let loose these words? What's his end game?
1: I think Zophar is furious at Job um, because in verse two, he says, Um, Should not the multitude of words be answered? Should not a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, my doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. Oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee. Zophar is literally spewing out at Job at this point, and is just like, how... Dare you oh, man. even even imply that you're innocent? Hmm. And
0: I, I just wow, you
1: know, Zophar and Bill, Dad. Um, yeah, the head.
0: You know, when I was in school, when I was in grammar school, uh, they, they we used to when you get to sixth grade. So the school I went to, the elementary school, as some people outside of New England or England would call it, um, sixth through eighth graders who lived in town used to manage the walkway. We didn't have old volunteers in Voluntown, Connecticut with a big stop sign to stop people. It was kids. And uh, I remember, you know, I'd have my turn and the kids would come along. I'd go out there with the stop sign. There was only about eight, 10 cars that came through an hour, uh, except sometimes during school, maybe it was a little bit more. But I remember we had this one kid and whenever he had, it was his turn as a road crosser, he would stand out there and not let us cross the street, even though cars were a quarter mile down the road. He would make us stop just because he could, just because he could make us stop. He, uh, uh, he would. And mm-hmm. you know what's going on with Zophar here? Just because he can talk and judge Job, well, Job's down. He's stabbing him. You know, yeah. let's, uh, uh, he's on the ground. Let's, let's stab him while he's on the ground. Let's kill him while he's, he's defeated. Let's, uh. Uh, you know, now have you ever experienced any of those types of things, Stephanie?
1: Yeah, um, I think so far is just to put it in very simple terms, he is majorly taking advantage of Job, and yeah. I think I think that he is trying to put Job in a position of feeling helpless, of feeling like um, he's dirt. Yeah. Literally, that's how I see him perceiving Job. And he literally is accusing Job of being a liar. He's accusing Job of mocking God. And um, I just, I honestly can't get over it. He, he calls Job a man full of talk. He does. He literally, all you're doing is talking Job. That's as deep as this gets. Wow.
0: And in today's vernacular, all you do is, talk about things you're a babbler, you don't know what's going on, you're just talking about things, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know where you're coming from, you, you don't know where you're going. I think we read the rest of the chapter and then just really dig it apart and talk about how it's affected us, how it affects people who are listening to us. Starting in verse, uh, 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 let me see where we are. We're in verse uh, number 11. For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also, Will he not then consider He's calling Job wicked, vain. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. If thou prepare thine heart and stretch thine hands and, uh, uh, toward him, if inequity be in thine hand, put it far away and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then uh, shalt thou lift up thy face without spot, yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shall not fear because thou shalt forget the misery, and remember it is as waters that pass away. And thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth, thou shalt be as morning, thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Yea, there shall dig about thee, and thou shalt take the rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee. But in the eyes of the wicked shall fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. And, you know, you read that and and you're thinking about this guy, Zophar, and, you know, uh, coming to my mind already, Eliphaz, and then you got Bildad, and this guy, Zophar, and Zophar seems to cut much deeper than the first two. And uh, it seems like Eliphaz was okay. Uh, I've been there seven days and seven nights, but we end up with Zophar. We know a couple things. We know that tradition, Jewish religious tradition, meant the oldest person probably spoke first. At least the oldest friend, the person closest to him, probably the oldest dude spoke up first. That was probably Eliphaz. So Eliphaz probably had more maturity and things of that nature. Then would come along the next oldest guy. And, And I think that's what we saw in Bildad. Bildad was younger. We don't know how much younger but he was obviously a lot less uh, mature uh, than Eliphaz was or Job himself. And then comes Zophar. And I, I know people like Zophar, Stephanie, I've met him. I've met entire families like Zophar that think they know everything and uh, think that the world revolves around him. And and how do we combat against people like Zophar? What do we do?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, kick knock him upside the head, but I'm not sure that would accomplish much. Um, I honestly think when I look at these three friends I think they all have the exact same opinion. I think it's more in the way they presented it that is the biggest difference because I as I look through, you know, the upcoming chapters as um, El, you know when we start round 2 of of this discussion. Yeah. After Job answers Zophar so here, Eliphaz is up next. And he gets a lot rougher on his next uh, round too.
0: I was building up for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think the bottom line is these three friends all had the same opinion of Job. I think the difference here, like you said, is the culture. But I think also we have the concept that they tried the nicest approach first. And the most um, golden-tongued in the sense of the nicest, he's going to go about this the nicest way, the most political way, talk first. And when that didn't break Job, we got a little less nice. And now by Zophar, I mean, the masks are off. We are just letting letting everything we think fly. And um, what what's incredible to me is Zophar is pretty much saying um, that God can cut you off. He can do whatever he wants. He sees your wickedness. Don't you think he sees that? And um, then in verse 13, he says, But if thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hands toward him, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not make wicked do well in thy tabernacles, um, it's just incredible. He, I mean, it says, then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. And, and he literally is accusing Job of having been in some serious form of sin and having hidden it. And this was God's way of revealing it. Yeah. And he's making some whacked out. And I have seen this done. And so this happens. This is sometimes how so-called Christians treat someone who is in the midst of a trial or has been through something devastating is, well, let's kick them while they're down and let's well, get to it, the root of
0: it. You know, it goes, it goes back to what I always say, Stephanie. What I always say, half the population is no good. You know, That's half right. the population are total knuckleheads. They stink and uh, If we know that going in, you know, uh, let's say I meet 10 people tomorrow. I guarantee you at least five of them will be total knuckleheads. And here's Zovac. Showing this. So be careful out there. Be careful around. Be careful of yourself, friends. Don't don't let these crazies sneak in on you and these narcissists. They're real, they're out there. We could sit here all day and talk about people we're counseling who are dealing with narcissistic behavior. We could tell you about entire churches that have messed up people. But here's the good news there's only like one bad church out of 200. So if you're getting a bad one, just get out of there. We'll give you another one to go to. But listen, uh, make sure your heart's right. And, you know, Zophar's heart is way off here. And he tries to turn the corner. That's what I'm seeing. And I'm not the most observant guy in the world, but he's trying to turn the corner at the end of chapter 11. And he's talking about, and thou shall be secure. And, and you know, he, it, to me, he was regurgitating Eliphaz in a hard way. He was regurgitating Bildad in a hard way. And, you know, they're getting ready for their second speeches. And these speeches, I mean, they just... Uh, they don't go anywhere, great. But again, we got to remember that they, these guys are right there next to Job. Job has got the old putty knife out. He's popping boils. He's he's scraping them. Uh, I mean, he's, his head is shaved. He's uh, uh, Stephanie's showing me the vomit face with her uh, with her hands there. I mean, it stops oozing from him. This was the richest guy. This was. I mean, this is a guy that. Uh, I mean, he had everything. He had the whole world. But you see, I think there's a lesson here, Stephanie. And I think the lesson, and we're going to go into practicality here in a second. As we get done talking about the theological stuff, we're going to tell you some examples of people like this and how to watch out for them in your life and your family. Uh, But I think that as we sit here and this guy's speaking, I, I tell you, old Zophar comes along to me and he's coming off as... Okay, I've been sitting here seven days, I've watched just, you know, seven nights, and God only knows maybe there was another night in between him speaking or two, Uh, but I've been watching you scrape your boils, I've been watching you do all those things, and surely, this is the mistake we make in the world, and surely this is your fault, Joe. How can a righteous God, How can a God that loves you, how can, you know, you had sin in your life, man. You were hiding in a corner somewhere with a girlfriend. I mean, all these things, they're not coming right out and saying it, but they're saying, you had sin in your life, Job. This this has got to be sin. It can't be anything but sin. But I'm so glad that thousands of years later, God gives us his word so we can tell people, stop that. Sometimes God gives us trials. Uh, to, you know, to make us better, to scrape the scum off. And I I mean, what what do you think of Zophar here, Stephanie?
1: Yeah, I think Zophar is a proud idiot. Um, And obviously he's pharisaical. I think, um, like I've said before, Job, God went out of his way at the beginning of this book to tell us that Job was a perfect and upright man who feared God and one who eschewed evil. And God told us that because Our brains are going to be filled, you know, chapter after chapter with quote unquote friends. Even God called them Job's friends. Um, Coming to him and saying, you're a jerk, Job. That's why God let these things happen to you. And if you would just repent and get your heart right, all of your problems would go away. And we know this wasn't because of sin in Job's life. Yes, God was going to use it to purify him. Joe's going to talk to us about that, that that he's going to trust God. Even if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. That's coming up um, when Joe responds here to Zophar, that he's going to trust God no matter what. And even when he can't see what God is doing, he is going to trust him. But Zophar yeah. yeah. is filled with pride, Bill, pride and build in. Um, Eliphaz, these guys really thought they knew, they knew everything. And they really thought that they had God's word from the, on this whole subject. And um, what's ironic is it's like God was keeping track of all of the things that, that eliphaz and bildad now zophar tell job if you would just repent then this is how your life would be and it was like god was keeping tabs on all the things that they said if you would repent then god would do this because all of those things that were in the then category god did for job yeah yeah and it was a like way of telling job's three friends i'm god and this wasn't because of sin in job's life but just to show you how much I love him, I'm gonna shower all of this on him anyway. And um, I think it's almost like Zophar saying, if you don't do this, if you don't repent, if you don't do this, then you're never gonna be secure. You're never gonna dwell in safety. Um, you're gonna live in fear the rest of your life. And I mean, it's like, yeah, here the friend has been through trauma, has PTSD, to put it in today's vernacular, he has been faced with stuff that these three guys cannot even imagine.
0: No, they can't. They can't. I don't get it. They
1: obviously cannot comprehend going through this. And they're coming to Job saying, well, you know, you're going to deal with depression and you're going to deal. I mean, it's like the- Job's already in a state of depression and hopelessness. And instead of these three friends being hands yeah. Being, to put it in today's terms, bearing his burden, being there to be the representation of Christ to him with love and support and to comfort him, they're tearing what's left of Job and they're trying to shred it.
0: Now that's perfect, and I'll tell you that leads into what I, I wanted to take a couple minutes at the end here to go over a New Testament version of this and to understand what narcissism looks like and to understand what evilness looks like and to understand how it's grown and where it comes from. So I want to read a couple verses to you and we may have a minute or two to comment here in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, I guess it's kind of the New Testament version of narcissism. It said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, For men shall be lovers of their own self. They shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affliction, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fear, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into her houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, uh, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And that's some scary stuff, right there, Stephanie. That's a, a pastoral epistle in Second Timothy. And but he's going on and he's saying, "Listen, watch out for these people." And here we are. We're reading about these kind of people thousands of years ago. It hasn't changed. Uh, it's, it's still going on. And we see it here in this verse. It's talking about lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud. And boy, you see that when people get up to talk and they tell you for 10 minutes about what they've done when you go to a church or, or these types of things. You know, folks in the ministry and as, as godly friends and associates, we're not running for office. We're serving the highest uh, office in the whole world. I, I'd rather be your door man. In, uh, in heaven or uh, in God's house to be the president of the United States. And that's real. But men are getting to a place. And I think, Stephanie, part of the reason I read this, and I, I want to give you a minute or two to talk about this, is uh, is we're seeing it everywhere. So you've dealt with this. You've dealt with this firsthand. And I want to give you like a minute and a half. I hate that. And it's so short. But what would you say to a lady, especially ladies fall in... Uh, a lot with these narcissistic men, what would you say to them?
1: Well, I think for one thing, um, something that I'm constantly telling ladies that I work with and uh, make no mistake, women can be narcissists as well. Um, This is not gender specific to just men. No. Um, I have dealt with narcissistic women, Um, but the key is to getting through narcissism to um, surviving it to overcoming it is realizing that you are a child of God and your identity is not who that person, Job's identity was not who Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar were trying to make him out to be. His identity was who he was in God. And that meant he was pure, he was upright, he eschewed evil. And don't let that person who is abusing you, um, don't let the narcissist in your life. Who is evil and wicked don't let them define who you are you if you know jesus christ as your savior you are a child of god you're a daughter of the king you're a son of the king and put on that armor of god be strong and of a good courage be not afraid be neither be thou dismayed for the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest and step by step be wise as a serpent harmless as a dove and take the steps you need to take to free yourself from that narcissistic situation because god is not the author of confusion and he wants to see you live a life that is free and joyful and filled with his blessings and you have to make that choice that i'm getting out of this
0: amen and i i I think you hit that right on the nose and friends it it says there too and and something that always catches my truth for of this sort, uh, which creep into our houses don't let these narcissistic people creep into your houses. Don't let the devil use uh, people. And and usually, you know, so many times and I'm on my last 30 seconds. So I'm going to try to say this real quick. Uh, So many times I see men and women marry people who just got saved or just started going to a decent church or just started getting their life right. And folks, that's how you end up with a narcissist in your life. And they can be men or women. But listen, that's why it's so important that you know God's word, you follow God's word, and uh, and hey, it's that's really significant. That's really important. Uh, we need your help in that area with yourselves. And listen, if we can help you at any time, find us on our Facebook pages. Look us up. We'd love to talk about you. Drop us a message. We'd be glad to sit down with you and, and, and tell you where, you sh- where, you, where you, there'd be a good church or a school for you to go to or something to that matter. But we do love you, folks. Hey, just a few words for you as we go here today. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure. They're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner, we can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart, that all we need to do is pray to God, believing in our heart, that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what folks, he will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at
1: WoundedSpirits.com.